I talked to Cece Moore. She's a genetic genealogist and she has helped law enforcement agencies identify suspects in more than 60 cold cases using DNA and genetic genealogy. You may have helped her. If you have been one of those who has sent away your DNA, just as a bit of fun, to one of the testing companies to find out where you come from, who knows? You may well have helped her put together a database that leads to a trail to a killer or a rapist who's been hiding in plain sight for more than 30-odd years. Genealogy sites have long helped identify criminals, but now, in the last couple of weeks, they have actually helped convict one. Uh, Others have pleaded guilty once they've been sprung, once the detectives go to them and say, look, we've got your DNA sample, we've been able to match it, we've got you here, here and here. Some of the uh, people that Cece has identified have pleaded guilty straight away. This case was the first one to go before a jury, and William Talbot II was sentenced to life in prison last week for killing a young Canadian couple more than 30 years ago. It was a case that relied on the newly emerged genealogical technology. It was the first time a murder suspect captured using as the trigger point genetic genealogy was found guilty by a jury trial. Cece Moore is a genetic genealogist whose work led to the arrest in the murder case. I spoke to her earlier and asked her about the fact that the defence accepted the genetic evidence, didn't dispute at all the efficacy of DNA. Correct. So far in the cases that have been resolved, the defence attorneys have apparently been of the position that they could not object to the genetic genealogy work. And the reason is because the genetic genealogy is really just a highly scientific tip or a lead generator. Law enforcement has to take that information and confirm or refute it after we provide it to them. There would be no arrest just based on a genetic genealogist's work. So they have to go and collect that abandoned DNA sample and match it to their law enforcement forensic genetic profile. And that's what happened in the William Earl Talbot, the second case, and every other case where we've had an arrest thus far. So they're not just arresting on our word. If we were wrong, then they wouldn't get the match to their, what's called an STR profile that they've used traditionally for many years. Uh, But when they get it, then they know that we must have been correct. But what we did ends up becoming somewhat irrelevant at that point. It's interesting because Talbot himself did not submit his DNA to the geneo- for genealogy testing. It was a second cousin on a paternal side, a second cousin on a maternal side. But from that, there was sufficient what evidence to point that somebody within that family tree had the DNA that matched the DNA left at the crime scene. Right. Technically, it was a second cousin on one side, and it was a half first cousin once removed on the other side. Crikey. And that just happens to be genetically equivalent to a sex, second cousin. Right. Both of those people would share approximately 3% of their DNA with the unknown suspect. And so when I built their family trees back in time and then did reverse genealogy coming forward in time from each of their great-grandparents, I found that a descendant from each of those family trees married and they had four children but only one of them was male. So William Earl Talbot II was the only one that would be carrying the correct ancestral mix, 
to be relatively close cousins to both of those top two matches. And so that's why I zeroed in on him and provided that name to Detective Scharf. When it comes to the privacy issues, this must have been um, well-worn territory for you by now. You know, William Talbot didn't put his, his DNA forward. It was other members of the family who did. So does that make the entire family tree fair game for going on fishing expeditions? Well, law enforcement investigations have always had to go on, quote-unquote, fishing expeditions to a certain degree, or we wouldn't solve any cases. You know, family members have always been questioned, friends, neighbors. So I don't see this as that different or that much of a departure from any other law enforcement investigation into a violent crime. A lot of things are a fair game because of the severity of the crime. And in this case and all of these cases that I've worked that were very violent, very serious crimes, I feel that the greater good is served through this work. And, you know, so far, the people who had their DNA used in these cases have been very supportive of the work, even though they were not aware that we were using it at the time and, you know, didn't find out till after the arrest. So as an example, William Earl Talbot, Second, second cousin, who was the top match, has come forward and said that she's very supportive of his arrest and the fact that her DNA was used. So, I mean, I'm not saying that would necessarily always be the case. And there are privacy concerns and, you know, people have different opinions and I respect that. But I feel very, very strongly that what we are doing is the right thing. It is making society a safer place. And equally important to me, it's finally providing answers to these families that have suffered for so many years or decades. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of people in New Zealand see this as a bit of fun. You know, they send off a DNA sample and then it's on a database and and then they can track down ancestors and every now and then people get a surprise as to, you know, what is in their family tree or family backgrounds. Do you think that they appreciate that all of this data is being stored and can be used? Well, you can participate in consumer genomics and genetic genealogy without having your DNA accessed by law enforcement because the two largest companies, actually the three largest companies involved in this field, are not allowing law enforcement or me, you know, as (laughs) working with law enforcement, to access those profiles. The only databases that we can use currently are GEDmatch, which is a public database that a person has to actually jump through a number of hoops to get their DNA uploaded to, or Family Tree DNA, which is the smallest of the four companies offering this service, this type of service. So if someone were to test at 23andMe or Ancestry DNA, we're not having access to those profiles unless they decide to upload it to GEDmatch or Family Tree DNA. Same with MyHeritage, which is based in Israel, the third largest company now. They are also not giving law enforcement access. Now, that's not to say they couldn't have a warrant or a subpoena at some point that they could successfully fight uh, and get access. I can't say it would never happen, but it hasn't happened yet. And it's a much, much less uh, likely scenario. Given the importance, as you say, of tracking down people who have got away with murder for decades, I wonder if these databases should be made available if there's a strong enough case for it. 
Well, if we could access the 26 million or so profiles that have tested, we could probably resolve, you know, upwards of 95% of these cold cases where there is DNA existing from the crime scene. We could also identify about 95% of the 40,000 or so unidentified deceased people around the United States and outside of our country as well. Um, I know that the companies, the commercial companies, did not plan for this to be, you know, what they were, uh, what their goal is. 23andMe is very much focused on medical research and ancestry DNA, very much focused on traditional genealogy research. So I don't expect that it would be something that they would want to participate in. I, I don't predict that happening uh, without law enforcement having to fight pretty hard to get, you know, a crime scene DNA sample into their databases. Sure, it would be wonderful, but I think the better idea would be if everyone who's supportive of it goes ahead and uploads to GEDmatch and or Family Tree DNA at this point. Um, we don't necessarily even need 26 million. If we got a much smaller number, we would still be in very, very good shape to address the majority of these cases. I can imagine it divides the uh, genealogy research world, which is a a small, tight-knit one, I imagine there are very strong opinions on either side. Absolutely. And the vast majority of the public and the genealogy community are supportive of this. But when it comes to the leaders of genetic genealogy, it is a much, much more extreme divide where the people that I have worked with, taught with, helped build this field with uh, from the ground up, um, there's a lot of disagreement and unfortunately a lot of friendships that have been frayed as a result. So that's unfortunate. Um, I'm, I'm relieved that the majority of the public is enthusiastic and behind this, um, but it is really disappointing and unfortunate that it's caused a real rift in my closest uh, colleagues and community. Well, I suppose when you count up the number of murders and murderers and rapists you've put behind bars, that would make you feel somewhat better. Well, every time I hear from one of the families of these victims or from the surviving victims themselves, it absolutely reinforces that I made the right decision, even though there has been some sacrifices and some losses of friendship and some people who don't agree with what I'm doing. My work has always been about families, providing answers and resolution to families, uh, whether it was unknown parentage, you know, family mysteries, or now cold cases. And so it does. It makes me feel a lot better. It doesn't mean it hasn't been difficult at times, but I still feel very strongly deep down that I'm doing the right thing. Is it helpful for people from New Zealand to upload DNA to GEDmatch, or is it really only people within the States that you that are helpful? It is helpful for people from New Zealand to upload for a couple of reasons. And one is because so many of us have fairly recent ancestors from England and in Scotland and Ireland, any of the UK. And so we sometimes find the connection back there. We find one branch that went to New Zealand and one branch that came to the U.S. Also, we are working with international law enforcement. I can't say exactly which ones. But um, there are cases that are being worked outside the United States using this investigative genetic genealogy. And also for um, unknown parentage, if people are supportive of adoptees, donor-conceived, others uh, finding their biological families, we have lots of people from New Zealand that are still searching for those biological ties and would really appreciate people 
contributing their DNA for that effort. That is Cece Moore, and she's a genetic genealogist, or she says genealogist. Just wonder, I know so many people who have sent away a sample of the DNA and said, right, tell me, tell me where I come from. Do you have concerns about uh, how this is going to be used? Do you believe it is a good thing that a database can be accessed so that even though you haven't done anything wrong, your DNA, the strands of your DNA can lead to a black sheep in your family tree and a cold case can be resolved? I suppose it, it's, it comes right back down to, to those who are concerned about the privacy of citizens why would people willingly give up this kind of vital information to a data bank that can be accessed by governments? Cece would argue, well, it's for the good. It's for public good. You've got families whose grief is resolved after 30 years of wondering whether the person who killed their loved ones is ever going to find, you know, be brought to justice. Yes, thanks to the DNA, they can be. She would argue it's for good. But I know that people concerned about citizens who give up their privacy voluntarily are worried about just who can gain access to this treasure trove of DNA and identification.